Hold your back for the rhythm attack, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Football Ramble Preview Show, sponsored by Betway. Liverpool face Man City, and can Mourinho turn it around? It's Friday, 5th of February. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Andy Brassel. Welcome, everybody, to your fun Friday. Luke Moore, you're looking radiant, cousin. Thank you very much. I've got a new T-shirt on, so it might be the reflection of the white T-shirt making me look more tanned than I actually am because I have never had a tan Uh in my entire life. But thank you. I appreciate that. Andy, you're looking sexy. Thank you very much. Uh, Luke, if you're wearing a white T-shirt, that to me suggests that you're going out hustling for days. Is that correct? Yeah, I am. Every day I'm hustling, baby. You know that. Either that or he's in the US military and he's on a down day. Both of those. I'm undercover. I'm a double-double agent. Ah, (laughs) I see, I see. Gentlemen, there's a lot to talk about today. We've got all this sort of business with with Jose Mourinho and Tottenham Hotspur. We've got the big one um, uh, this this weekend, of course, in the the Premier League and so on. But we are going to start with a story about a jobby. (laughs) Um, I'm so grateful that they didn't talk about this on the show yesterday. You did a lot of extensive lobbying behind the scenes <laughs> to make sure that didn't I did a lot Listen, of... everyone, this is a deal breaker for me. It was an enormous <laughs> lobby for the jobby. And uh, a lot of people sent me this. My goodness, I love each and every one of you. I, it was well into the double figures, the amount of people that tweeted me this story. Some people just at me as if to say, hey, well, you know. Come on, spell out. That's one of yours. <laughs> Some people are a little bit more in depth with their, with, with their uh, explanations of why they're sending it to me. <clears throat> but it's nice to be known for something, Andy. I like, I like <laughs> it when, when people see a story about a jobby, nothing screams Marcus Christopher Speller, Bachelor no. of Science, like a story about a jobby. <laughs> I, like, um, I like the idea that people think of your Venn diagram as being Scottish football and turds. <laughs> and Sven chucked and Sven, in there as yeah, well. Just, can we see Sven being involved at some point? That's the only way it could get any better. Is he going to take over the job as co-commentator for the Hamilton Academicals uh, channel? Well, um, yes, Bobby Bullock. Although I'd like to call him Bobby Bollock, but there we are. First, first of all, brilliant name. Yeah, great name. Brilliant yes. name. Bobby B, a co-commentator, of course, for the B Hamilton Ackies, uh live stream of their match against Ross County on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Hamilton Ackies, they lost 2-1. The Ackies lost to the Staggies. Yeah. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great day. But he, but Bobby Bullock has been dismissed by the club after he turned up for the second half eight minutes late. And obviously, when he got to the microphone, he was like, "Oh, Johnny, everybody, I just, I just had to go for a wee jobby." <laughs> and, and then and the thing is, though, he didn't just double down; he trebled down. He, yeah, he kept on talking about it. Like, he just kept on talking about it. You can mention it once and say, yeah. "Oh, sorry about that. I just went for a, for a little jobby." And everyone goes, "Oh, yeah, fair enough. Okay, fine. You're back now." And then he goes, "Yeah, just, just a wee poop." Yeah. which was very unnecessary. And then went on to describe the bowel movement as having to squeeze it out. And it's like, they're crying out loud. The second half's like 10 minutes old now. It's, it's labouring the points in every sense. This is a game that, 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 that they needed to win, really, as well, because they're bottom of the league and Ross County was second bottom. Yeah. And weirdly, I did a bit of investigation, and, and Bobby Bullock is actually like an indie film actor and director, so I don't even really know what he's doing there. He must just be a fan. He's and clearly could, not yeah, a professional commentator. No, and... and I mean, it just reminded me of that scene in the thick of it of Malcolm Tucker when he's listening into the politician doing the interview, keeps saying the word diarrhea. And Malcolm 
<laughs> yeah, say diarrhea again. Yeah. Say it again. Like he, he did exactly that, and, and he kept. And, and he's also got an amazing Scottish accent, yeah. which lended itself to making it funnier for some reason. It was. Just, it was just. It was ridiculous. But what I would say is, mm. getting fired for that is arguably even more ridiculous. I mean, come on. But Luke, can you get fired from a job that... A jobby? A, mm. you're not full-time employed at and B, you're probably not getting paid for? Well, that's the thing. Uh, it's, that, just, uh, yeah, it's just I, I mean, the being club's not to turn up it again is, is basically what's happened. Yeah, <laughs> it's not I, actually I a job. The club's doing a big call to action. We won't stand for this filth. Yeah, well, can I did, just say... This filth has given us a very good five minutes on the football ramble, and it's made Marcus <laughs> yeah. very happy. So, Bobby, we applaud you. We do yeah. indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. their club statement on Twitter, a contractor used by the club on summarising slash co-commentary duties overstepped the mark this evening with a very poor attempt at humour. <laughs> it was a very good attempt at humour. I think you'll yeah. find, Hamilton. Uh, the club didn't find this funny. The person will no. not be used again. Uh, what a shame. What a shame. For well, me, he's Marcus. now he's written himself into ramble folklore as Bobby Bullock. Yeah, for me, for me, it's also a huge source of huge pride as well because you and I have yet again mm. managed to take one of the finest European football experts around and reduce him mm. to having to talk about this on the football ramble. And that's basically <laughs> what we're all about. So, like, Andy, you get outvoted. We're doing this story, and you're going to have an opinion on it. So, get on with it. <laughs> I want to talk about AVB. No, yeah, get, you'll get talk fucked. about a wee jobby. Yeah. Um. Marcus, your happiness matters to me, and if you're made happy by a two and a half day old jobby uh-huh. i'm pleased <laughs> thank you cousin speaking, yeah. of, speaking of avb it was the avb derby last night wasn't it andy yeah. tottenham hotspur versus chelsea yep yeah, that's what that, they call it that's what jose Mourinho calls it um <laughs> yeah uh, ooh, where to begin with this i suppose it's an obvious one so uh, tottenham uh we're, we're, we're very poor let's be honest i took uh, miguel delaney a, a man of uh, the on the continent parish of course in the independent uh, what Mourinho's side attempted in that opening 45 minutes could barely be called football in both the traditional and modern senses it wasn't even anti-football that implies some kind of plan Spurs were just defending and punting interspersed by the occasional aimless kick I mean it's strong words Luke but people yeah. were scathing towards this yeah, Tottenham performance yeah they were really really poor um, and to be honest I mean I've, I've seen them in, in the flesh play in this way much further back in, in Mourinho's tenure here at Spurs and a lot of people were talking about how well you know look he needs to kind of settle in he needs to find the players he wants you know there's a, the, the, the sides were a little bit um, imbalanced at the time and I think it was also around when Kane was out so they were doing these mad long balls out to Lucas Moura at the time <coughs> and I know Lucas Moura only appeared from the bench yesterday and, and, and as a result they were actually a little bit better in the second half but the thing that I took away from the game was you know, partly it was just Mourinho's comments afterwards where you knew he was going to tack on to something to kind of deflect and, and try and play down how bad it was. And last night he did that. He said, well, you know, look, how many shots did Chelsea have? Oh, and, and Des Kelly, I think, so they had two on target. And he was like, he just shrugged. But the point being that a couple of weeks previous in the games they've played where they've had some difficult results, he said, well, it's individual errors. I can't legislate for individual mistakes, but no one is challenging him mm on the environment he's creating at Spurs, which is causing people to make these individual mistakes. I mean, there's talk of like rifts in the dressing room, there's talk of players storming out at half-time, there's talk of a, a schism between um, some of the players that he's criticised, and, and it was actually quite a harmonious dressing room when he came to the club, apparently. Um, and then you've got that error from Dyer last night, and you've got people at the front end of the pitch who, when they actually get up there, don't want to try something because they look intimidated. So, look, it's hard to see really where Spurs go from here. I, I, I agree with Miguel to an extent. I think he probably went a little bit far in his piece, which I read. 
Um, it's probably a little bit over the top, in my opinion, but you know, it wasn't great. I mean, the first 45 minutes yesterday... It, it was it was actually bordering on the embarrassing, you know, for a for a team of that of that um, of that quality. Even though they've got you know they've got injuries and stuff, I understand that, but not not to a huge extent. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, for now, I'll just say that um, I don't understand if he has set them up in a certain way and the players just aren't implementing it. So he hasn't just chucked them out there because they obviously do some work behind the scenes. I don't understand why he at home he sets up in this rearguard way when the defense is the worst part of the team. Like the yeah. best part of their team yeah. are the players they've got going forward. So even without Kane, so mm-hmm. it's just a weird situation, and it's a, it's a damning indictment that the old um, Tuchel's got Chelsea playing better than Mourinho's got Tottenham playing, and Mourinho's been there a lot longer. Yeah, there, there are ideas. It's, it's that simple, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I mean, um, it was it was interesting. I thought when Jermaine Genus was talking at half time about how there wasn't enough movement in the team um, for. Toby Alderweireld to to find the passes and I I think that's right when they had the ball on the edge of their own area but I think that's been one of the big problems of the whole Mourinho era that Alderweireld has been their best playmaker for a lot of it and you can't have that he's he's a centre-back he's a centre-back that's good Mm -hmm. on the ball but he's still a centre-back I think that says a lot about the the dysfunction of the rest of the team and going back to something else that Miguel wrote he was saying um, a couple of days ago that in training the sense is that so much is centred around just getting the ball to, to Kane and Son and that's not sustainable for any team let alone a team with aspirations of really doing something at the top and you just feel well I think people have jumped to a lot of conclusions in this season. I know it's been a a weird season, but you know when Tottenham were top of the league, the idea back then that everything's great and he's doing an incredible job People massively jump the gun. I couldn't really understand that at the time. You know, if you're judging stuff on results rather than content, I think this is a more dangerous season than ever to to do that. Really, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, Andy. But th- that game, the, the first game when Spurs played Liverpool, it was a great game. Could have gone either way. I think people were talking about, oh, is this? Are these the two teams that are going to be fighting for the title? But as you say, as as the season starts to kind of move and breathe a bit more. We can see that that neither uh, are going for no. It, it, it seems <laughs> yeah. more likely that it would be kind of Liverpool trying to chase Manchester City than than Tottenham Hotspur. But look, do you think Mourinho now that people are saying, oh, the the third season is happening happening a little bit earlier for for Mourinho and, and so on? Now we can be quick to 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 judge as Andy sort of said there. You know, suddenly Mourinho is back to his best and and whatnot. And I probably said similar things on on this show when we're sort of pondering what's going on, but. You look at the the football, you look at the comments people are making. It's the first time Spurs have suffered three successive league defeats since AVB in November 2012. And he's getting very prickly. And the kind of comments he's making are usually when it's coming to an end. And as you say, he's trying to deflect everywhere else. But it it feels like the ship is beginning to sink. Yeah, uh, it's really hard to tell in this season. I've I've said this over mm. and over again this season, and I know people might think it's a bit of a cop out, but this is the first season I can remember since we've been doing this show where it is actually really difficult to interpret what's happening because because and that's a really interesting point Andy made about the fact that maybe you've got to look at performances rather than results. But I mean, if you if you look back over the season, if you go to the start of November, what up until this run that well, they've lost three on the spin now? They only lost two league games since November up until the end of January. So, and they played a lot of games in that time because of the way the season is this this year. So, look, it's difficult to say at this point. I think that 
I think what is interesting, and the reason I kind of tacked onto what Andy said there with with that performances situation, is because if you look back in a few weeks' time, because there's so much football happening, and you look at that result, Tottenham nil, Chelsea one, you think, oh, okay, well they got beat by a good team narrowly. It was night and day, mm. absolutely mm. night and day. I mean, it should, if the, the, I find I, I feel like the the fact that Chelsea only had a couple of shots on target was an anomaly. Really, they dominated the game in the first half, completely dominated. They should have been out of sight, and then Spurs wouldn't have had anything to tack onto. So. It's 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 weird because it seems like Mourinho has used the result, even though they lost, as a justification for how they set up, which I think is insane. And yeah. I think if they're not careful, it's going to bite them on the backside pretty pretty quickly. They've got West Brom at home this weekend. Um, that will be an amazing uh, game to to look at because it will show you exactly where Spurs are. It might well be they've got enough to. Um, to, to try and get past West Brom who aren't, who aren't playing very well and their manager's poor. The, 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 the other thing I would say very, very quickly is I don't think now you can actually defend for 19 minutes in the Premier League against a decent team. I think if you look at how Brighton played against Liverpool and actually to an extent how Burnley played against Liverpool and both were able to get wins, they didn't actually do what you maybe traditionally think a team would do five, six, seven years ago and longer. It wasn't a total rearguard action. Brighton actually went after Liverpool a fair amount and Mourinho's team's seem to be playing some kind of anachronistic football against good teams and it's probably going to backfire and I think yeah. Danny Danny Kelly's made the point actually that um, defending your own box actually in the age of VAR is quite risk inherent uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's something that maybe you can't get you away can't get with away nowadays with but I think the, the issue is I mean with a with a coach I think particularly in their first couple of years in a in, in a job I, I, that's that's the full tenure in most cases now isn't it but um, <laughs> if you're lucky I think if, if you look at that performance last night I think you look at you go back a year and the way they played in the first game in the Champions League against Leipzig where he played similarly a coach who's got a lot of ideas, who's got not yeah. such a limited palette, certainly nowadays. And it's, it's sad to see him showing up by a younger coach. And it just shows how little has, has changed in that year and that the challenges for Tottenham now are pretty much the same as the challenges were 12 months ago. It's just that Mourinho is not the sort of coach who habitually regenerates, is he? Yeah, no. he, he, I mean, when I said about his prickly comments earlier, he was asked why he didn't put bail on. And he replied, good question, but you don't deserve an answer. <laughs> who, who does deserve an answer from Mourinho? I don't know. No one. No? No one does. Nah, fuck it. Yeah. I think, I think um, the sight of Mourinho standing there, hood down in the pissing rain. That's a statement. <laughs> proper, it's proper birth of a supervillain meme material. It, it, is, it is a statement, yeah. I mean, uh, Mourinho, he also said, <clears throat> I think it was ahead of the game, um, that I don't think it's very difficult to coach at Chelsea. I was champion three times. Ancelotti was champion. Conte was champion. It cannot be very, very difficult because we won titles there. <laughs> Doing yourself a disservice, Joe. I don't think he's realised that. Well, all us duffers bloody won there. So uh, you know. But we have to mention, um, albeit sort of, sort of briefly, perhaps Andy. But 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 old Tommy Took. You know what he's done at Chelsea there. Only only a few games in. As you say, they've got ideas. They they're putting in good performances, and. I mean, we, we, we gave, or people gave Frank Lampard a lot of credit for bringing in Mason Mount and, and, and bringing him into the side and getting good performances out of him. Well, Tuchel has shown that, that perhaps that's a given because Mount is a very, very good player. But what he's getting from the rest of the side with the different formations, the different ideas, the, the sort of the that side looks very dynamic now. Yeah, it does. And um, there's still very much a work in progress. I don't have any doubt about that because if they'd have got to the point where uh, Carlos Vinicius had, had scored that header late on, they would have got a game that 
they completely dominated robbed off them basically and they shouldn't really have been in a position to yeah. to, to let that happen so I, I don't think we should forget that on the other hand given that he's been there what just over a week it's it's pretty decent but this is what always happens with Tuchel he's got so many great ideas that it will energize the players straight away and you know, I think you look at the way that he's connected with uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, for example. I think that's that's an enormous difference already. And you expect him to get more out of players. That That's absolutely what he's there for. And it'd be really interesting to, to, to see where it takes them. But, you know, I don't I don't want to jump the gun. It It is a work in progress. Mm. And if all else fails, he will at least get his salary back in club shop merchandise <laughs> yes which is he's taken I didn't think you could go better than Klopp on that I didn't think so he's taken it a step so. further yeah. it, it, it reminds me of that scene in Wayne's World that's a reference for the teenagers uh-huh. where they're mocking <laughs> the commercial kind of deals that, that people do yeah. and at one point Garth is sat there with a full Reebok tracksuit on Reebok hat and Reebok headband mm. I think if, if Thomas Tuchel took a beanie hat off or whatever hat he had on the hood down he'd have like a Chelsea headband as yeah. well he's probably got Chelsea pants on <laughs> underneath his tracksuit bottoms it's incredible the level he's taken it to and I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings out next um, when they play Sheffield United but Lovely. is Klopp able to do the same thing I mean do do we know whether Liverpool have an away coat because uh, yeah. that's what impressed me really last night the away coat it's like uh, Men in Thomas Black Tuchel. when he gets up in the morning, opens that, opens the wardrobe, and it's all just those black suits <laughs> yeah. with Klopp and Tuchel. It's just endless Chelsea, Liverpool and Chelsea like <laughs> materials. Oh dear, gentlemen, let us move on uh, to the uh, weekend's proceedings. Newcastle face Southampton. Look more. Yeah, I just feel like I got a little bit more in the tank. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there we are. Should we move on to another picture? <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I just thinking, you know, look, I think if we can maybe do this as a patron, as I said on on uh, Wednesday, we can uh, whatever it was, we can uh, we can do some more on on something getting beaten nine nil if you want. Um, but I, I just think this is a really fascinating game, chiefly because you've got the absolutely hapless Newcastle United yeah. against the team who's just been whopped 9-0 in the league. Mm. And it's like, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in Steve Bruce's office because he's looking at it, probably looking at his tactics board going, yeah, I mean, I mean, they were beaten nine last yeah. time. So I, I think we should be all right here. Does but at mean, the same time, I'm a little bit confused. Does that mean we have to attack them? I yeah, what, what, what do we do? Yeah, yeah. I, can, can, I, can I don't I, I don't know if it was made on, on Wednesday, but perhaps it would and I didn't hear it, but it, it, that 9-0 for Southampton, for, for people who don't know this, it did happen on actual Groundhog Day as well, by the way. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Andy. And, and also, Marcus, uh, sorry, very quickly, oh, yeah. Andy, sorry to cut in, but I was going to say, there's a lot of people out there who don't know that um, this is this will really put it in context for you. and It's very, very much worth remembering. So just li- if you, whatever you're doing at the moment when you listen to this, just mm. kind of stop and listen intently because this is an amazing piece of information that you might not have considered. They also lost 9-0 to Leicester <laughs> like about 15 months before that and no one really talks about it. So yeah. it's kind of interesting in that context. Sorry, Andy, please is continue. It, uh, if, I, if I was Newcastle, I would be afraid of the reaction because Southampton ultimately did very well out of that 9-0 against Leicester, didn't they? Mm. You know, Hazen rising from the flames like a phoenix. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was extraordinary, really. And it led them and to another 9-0 defeat, ultimately, Andy. If, ultimately, yeah. yeah. Uh, ultimately, yeah, that... that that is the whole story. That is definitely the whole story. Darkness, my old friend. <laughs> can, can, I, can, I just, can I just maybe chuck, chuck something in there and just be a little bit contrary, perhaps mm. for the sake of it? But, I mean, the the idea that, that the fact that Southampton did, you know, quote-unquote, quite well 
that season ultimately. It kind of is true, but I mean, they got 52 points that season, I think, finished 11th. <laughs> Ralph Hasenhutl is a good manager. He will go on to be to a bigger club and Southampton have been very, very good at finding managers and then kind of they've moved on to do bigger and better things, as we know. Perhaps with the exception of Ronald Koeman, but but the he's uh, managing but, Barcelona currently. Oh no. Is he though? If it is he though, <laughs> um, the, the thing is. So what I was going to say was, I think we should at least entertain. It shouldn't have to be a Pompey fan who says you can entertain the idea of just doing well anyway without losing 9-0. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't have to be seen as like a secret source. Or what you want to go and do is lose 9-0, then you'll be fine. Like, don't lose 9-0 yeah. of anything. Well, can so I just say, me. you guys, you guys are undercutting Steve Bruce because. As I've already said, if you look at when they were chasing the game against Palace on Tuesday night, Steve Bruce brought off Kieran Clark and mm. brought on Andy Carroll with about three minutes left. If that's not attacking, fellas, yeah. I don't know what is. Well, that's very true. By the way, Southampton fans, I should say that if you're thinking, oh, Luke's going on about this, you know, you know when somebody, so if, you know, if Manchester United win the league, you know, we will massively just go, Vish, how are you feeling? Vish, you must be absolutely loving it. Vish, Vish, Vish. And yeah. the same with Jim if Arsenal won the League Cup, OK? So, <laughs> to, be fair, they are, to be fair, they are the FA Cup holders, um, I think. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's what we do. With Luke, it, this is his trophy. This yeah. is Because uh, you think about Portsmouth have gone through the mill. This is, that's where it's coming from, Southampton fans. But, but that's our own fault as well, I suppose, yeah, to, exactly. a, to an extent. But what I would say is this. If Southampton fans are really honest with themselves, they look inside their hearts, and they want to live in a world where a Pompey fan isn't going to enjoy a 9-0 hammering for Southampton. I mean, I would I would totally get it if Pompey lost 9-0, yeah. which they never do because they've actually got quite a lot of professional pride. <laughs> but if they, if they did, I would fully expect Southampton fans to be on their back about it. Uh-huh. You know, but, I mean, just to reiterate, it is very unlikely to happen because it's a very professionally run club now. Luke, um, Luke what do you yeah. make of Southampton? They, they've denied making a formal request to ban Mike Dean and Lee Mason from officiating any of their games. Well, I'm pleased they've denied it. Yeah. Uh, and, and Andy, I don't know about you, but I felt like this was a um, like a proper page one PR deflection tactic. Let's get people stopping about stopping talking about the fact that we lost 9-0 again and say, make some up, something up about referees to, to kind of deflect. Can I just say it's the cornerstone of any great European dynasty to say, uh, we don't want that guy referee in our games anymore. So it's yeah. the actions of a big club. Yeah, Is that what you're saying? absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying, despite this one <laughs> result, Hasenhutl is taking them to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they they couldn't wish for anything more than a, a game against Newcastle if they're worried about shipping goals. Although Joe Willock could be handed his Newcastle debut, Andy. Yeah, he, he could be. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm not sure that makes me enormously confident in what uh, Newcastle can do. Um the the idea that this puts some sort of pressure on Steve Bruce, I think, is quite an interesting one. The idea that, well, you know, they've got to come out and get a result against Southampton. Before this, if you get a draw against Southampton, it's fine. It's fine for Newcastle because Southampton are objectively a better team than them and mm. a better run club than them. But now the idea that, oh, well, this team's got beaten 9-0, so Steve Bruce has to come out and have a go. I mean, he, he can't come out and have a go. It's, it's just not possible, <laughs> the, the, not the, possible. The, the, the way they play football. But um, I think yeah. it's, it's a strange kind of pressure on, on, on Newcastle, this one. It is, can, I, yeah. can, I just, can I just round it off very quickly, Marcus, just mm. by saying that um, it is worth mentioning that... Um, Southampton have 11 first-team players out for various reasons Mm -hmm. ahead of this game, to which some people would interpret as saying, well, you should give them a bit of sympathy for the fact they lost 9-0. 
because of that, mm. or partly because of that, the way I'm looking at it is they've still got 11 players out. Great. Hopefully it will happen again. <laughs> <laughs> so is that why the Bednarek card, you think, has been overturned? Do you think it's a, a show of well, sympathy? look, Marcus will kill me if I go into a big rant about this, but I think the very idea <laughs> that you can still have overturned red cards when it takes 15 fucking minutes to make a decision about something in the first place with a video assistant referee, <laughs> they should be ashamed of themselves. It's a, the, the turning over that and, and successfully having that appeal heard, um, regardless of who the club is, I'm genuinely, this is not a partisan point at all. The very idea that you are accepting an appeal is essentially a tacit admission that you fuck your job up, basically. And they've got so much help now. <laughs> but isn't that what appeals are? So are? Com- isn't that, so again, what, yeah, isn't of that course, what of course, of course they are. But the point being, we're not talking about we're not talking about a massive criminal case here. We're talking about one decision about one incident that they've seen for fifteen different angles a hundred times. Get it right in the first place. Know your own laws, then. It, or the laws aren't fit for purpose. Anyway, sorry, Marcus. I've said I wouldn't go around. I did anyway. Andy, Andy, <laughs> what went down on yesterday's on the continent? <laughs> yeah. Well, what we didn't touch on, uh, Marcus, was uh, how uh, VAR's so malfunctioning in Portugal for example uh-huh. that in a match earlier this week between Morarense and Braga an onside goal got disallowed because they misaligned the line well, I mean, oh, it's about to happen uh, to that, what that's, did that's you talk special. about Andy crucially what, what, for the purpose of a plug what did you say, talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> what we did talk about is uh, Messi and his colossal contract and mm. is he a symptom rather than a problem of where Barcelona are at the moment um, we talked about the French TV deal which has evolved even further all the mess around that uh, since we talked about it um, we'll be keeping you updated on that I'm sure on, on, on Twitter and elsewhere and also could sporting be about to win the league for the first time since the time of Cristiano Ronaldo. My goodness. It was me, Dotton, and David Cartledge, and it was super fun. Yeah, love that. Love that, Andy B. Of course, you can catch that fun and frolics over on Football Ramble Presents, everybody. Right, let's have a quick break. Welcome back to the Football Ramble Preview Show sponsored by Betway. It's now time for emails. Yes, indeed. And we've had a lovely story in from Harry Lawty. Hello to you, Harry, and thanks for getting in touch. Uh, just to reiterate Pete's highly obnoxious jingle, uh, show at footballramble.com is where you send your emails. <laughs> if you've seen anything fun over the weekend or you want to get involved, do send us an email. We'll always read out our favourites. Harry says, I'm writing in simply to share a lovely little Sean Dyche anecdote that I recently heard. During Burnley's 3-2 home win against Aston Villa last month, John McGinn was caught putting in a late challenge on one of Burnley's players. Understandably, Dyche wasn't best pleased. He began barking complaints from the touchline in a way that that only that deep, gravelly voice can. And John McGinn sharply dismissed Dyche's protest, telling him to, quote, shut up. Um, Taken aback by the Scotsman's insolence, Dyche shouted over, oh, so you've been in the Premier League for one season. You think you're a proper big time now, eh? Telling me to shut up. Uh, Quick as a flash, McGinn cockily replied, you've been in the 
Premier League for six seasons and you're still wearing the same shit coat, you big prick. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, uh, the confrontation ended there. Dice's sartorial ego was obviously wounded, but the Burnley manager very much put in his place. In fairness, he has been wearing that coat for a long time. Uh, you don't know that, that, Harry. I totally agree. Has it been six seasons? Because if he's if he's right with that, that's very impressive. So it's he was a managed- compliment in one, on one hand, but as a sartorial dig in the same sentence. And going yeah. back to the men in black thing, how do we know it is the same coat? Ah, true. Actually, could it could it, it could get several versions of the same one? What it reminds me of is something that was reported on Twitter earlier this week, and it was Robbie Brady uh, when Burnley played Chelsea, mm. and um, Robbie Brady uh, was being told by Dyche to, to do better, marking Callum Hudson a door. Oh, yeah, yeah. And apparently, Robbie Brady replied to Dyche saying, or it was overheard by one of the journalists there saying, "I know where he fucking is. What do you want me to do about it?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love dear. that. Gentlemen, let's go back to the Premier League. Liverpool versus Manchester City on Sunday. I think it still is the big one, isn't it, Andy? Uh, yeah, it has to be at the, mm. at the moment. And um, I think it's just given that little bit of extra with the little stumble that Liverpool have had recently. Like The idea that it's a kind of last chance for them, I think makes it all a bit more exciting. I mean, this is, this is by no means... I, I don't think it supersedes all other... Premier League rivalries, and you know, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, Marcus? Yeah. That, that that Manchester United Arsenal in the late nineties, early noughties is still an absolute pinnacle. But having said that, I think what's special about Liverpool versus Manchester City is the actual direct confrontations, not the rivalry, but the actual direct confrontations themselves. Well, we've had tactical so many, styles. We've had well. so many. We've had so many good ones. Yeah, mm. that, that's part of it, obviously. But yeah, that's part uh, of it, yeah. you, you know, I, I think that <laughs> that is. That that is it's, it's very rarely let us down in in recent years. Yeah, uh, interestingly though, speaking of uh, of Pep Guardiola, Luke, he said this week that he would swap his career right now to be a player again. As yeah. a player, you share it with your mates in the locker room. The manager celebrates in different ways. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how Pep celebrates it. It kind of beggars belief to think about how he does. He probably doesn't. <laughs> well, there's a famous celebrate at all. There's a famous celebration that people may not be aware of when Barcelona. Beat, I think it was Paris Saint-Germain, a very different uh, Paris Saint-Germain back in those days in the mid-90s or 1996, 97 around then when they won the Cup Winners' Cup. And Mourinho was uh, Bobby Robson's uh, assistant at the time at Barcelona. And when the final whistle goes and everybody sort of runs onto the pitch, uh, Mourinho and Guardiola are pointing at each other and they both run over and, and, and embrace and hug each other. Huh. Yeah, maybe that's, that's interesting. Is that what he misses, Andy? Does he miss being able to hug Jose Mourinho without the papers going crazy about it? Pep Jose, <laughs> Pep Jose managerial dream team. Now you're talking. That would be. I'd, I'd definitely pay Amazon Prime to watch that. Is, is that what you're saying, Luke? That Mourinho will be in a couple of years assisting Guardiola. You'd be, well, defen- that's you'd be defensive coach. Actually, it can I just, be, I'll just manage like, it all. Um, it would be like when um, two massive boxers have a fight and, and they set up a fight and they, have, and they argue for months over who gets first billing on the poster. Like, <laughs> that would be deciding who's assistant manager and who's manager. Or was but it like it, that episode of Have I Got News For You years ago when Ian Hislop and Paul Merton were on the same team and it was like, what's this all about? Yeah, it would be weird. Yeah. It would be very, very, don't feel right. Can I, can I make a semi-serious point about mm, Liverpool? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll just squeeze it in very, very quickly. Oh, squeeze is, it. Is that I, I suspect that, that Klopp may not play either of his um, new centre-backs for this game. Because I know Kabak is eligible. And I know Davis was on the bench mm-hmm. when they were beaten um, 
earlier this week. It's a deep end to be thrown into, isn't it? It is, but the thing is, it's a, it, this, is, this is coming on to the crux of the point I want to make. It's a real dilemma for Klopp because I, I am of the opinion, and I'm sure many people are, that sacrificing Henderson, who's been very good at centre-back, mm-hmm. but yeah. losing that metronomy that he gives you in the middle of the park, which knits the whole midfield together, is maybe not the main cause of their problem, but it's certainly right up there with one of it's the main huge. causes. It's, it's absolutely it, huge. And they need to get him in that midfield again as soon as possible. And it might well be that he has to throw someone in the deep end alongside Fabinho, perhaps, because they've got no tempo without Henderson. And, and Henderson's that kind of player that people who don't know anything about football think, oh, well, what does he do? Well, you can see what he does yeah. now. I'm telling mm. you, watch Liverpool now, and then you'll see by his absence. So he has to make that decision. Does he proceed with Henderson at centre-back and seed control the game against a very good Man City team? Or does he put him in the midfield and take a gamble with one of the new defenders who I know for a, for a fact Brassel rakes through the roof. So yeah. perhaps he has got what it takes. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Ben Davis. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think they have to give Kabak a go. I mean, the, the, the fact is, if, if you just realise that when you're defender of whatever quality and you're new to the Premier League, you're, mount, you're bound to make an absolutely enormous cock up in your first couple of games regardless of who you're playing so I think overthinking it and saying it's Manchester City oh what about his fragile confidence I mean come on he's a player who has shown enormous personality throughout his career even though he's only 20 years old I I think you've got to give him a go and and take that risk because they've got to take the risk as you say, say to actually win the game so they've got to give themselves the tools in the middle of the park to do that Mm. I mean, if you look at the other end of the uh, that will be the other end of the pitch sorry um pep said this week that, that that ruben diaz has had the same impact on manchester city that virgil van dijk has had at liverpool now i mean that is that's a big comparison of, of course but, but taking away yeah taking away that that comparison perhaps and just focusing on on diaz he's been brilliant he's one of the unsung heroes you'd say luke uh, uh, of this yeah. season and certainly for manchester city well it's just too a bit too early to say um because they haven't obviously, you know, it's just a bit, maybe a bit of a cliche thing to say, but they haven't actually won anything with him yet. So, of course, when, when that, even when they do, then then fair enough. But yeah, he's been fantastic, and I think that um, he's also got the best out of Stones, which is a which is mm-hmm. a great thing too. And and, and I think the, the compar- to be fair to Pep, I think the comparison he was making was the communication thing where he's able to kind of organise and settle people down and show yeah. a bit of leadership. And I think I think he was more talking about the characteristics that Van Dyke brought to that Liverpool team when he first came in that they needed. I think he's kind of referencing that. Um, but, I, yeah, I think he's been magnificent. And I, I, th- I think this is a big game at the weekend. I think I think I, I, I am personally of the opinion that it's, the title's gone for Liverpool now, but it's certainly gone if they lose to Man City. It's to- yeah. totally gone. Well, there we are. Uh, well, are Manchester United still in the title race, Andy? They've got Everton at home. Uh, on uh, I think it's on the Saturday night, which I think is quite a nice fixture actually. Everton back to winning ways, of course, uh, this week. It's a classic Premier League fixture. That it is, mm, it is, yeah, it and, is. And uh, Marcus Rocco won't be involved though. He left Manchester United for Boca Juniors this week. I like is, the way you said Marcus Rocco won't be involved because he left for Boca Juniors, or he didn't include the word because. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't going to be involved anyway. Let's be absolutely. Well, fair. It, it, would have been, it, it would have been making the toast for the subs. Yeah. 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 No, no, definitely not. Don't let him. That's the last thing you want to do. Look, if you if you think that like probably the most symbolically, I, I don't know. This is harsh, but a symbolically poor signing that kind of represents the whole post-Ferguson era at Man United. Now, I know he did okay in that season when they won Jose Mourinho's famous treble and he played a lot that season and picked up a couple of trophies. So, fair enough. But by the standards that Man United expect, I think you know Marcus Rocco's not been a, a huge success at the club. But if, if there's one thing he's worse at than that, it's making toast. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say buying earrings. But also that as well. Yeah, you want to tell listeners of what we're talking about here, by the way. He spent 120 grand at Tiffany's after mistakenly buying three pairs what, of the same... What, on toast? Yeah. <laughs> but after buying three pairs of the same diamond earrings, believing they were £40,000. Fortunately, he earns big money, Andy. So he, see, he probably just got away with that. Marcus, I can understand that in internet shopping. I mean, I think we've all had that point in lockdown where we've accidentally bought three winter coats. But, you know, um, so I, what, I don't what, understand what I thought, how that I'm happens sorry, in person. What I thought it was was that he... he, he he thought they were £4,000 each and they were £40,000 each and he bought three of them and it ended up costing him 120k. That's what oh, I thought happened. Oh, right. I thought it was like the verbal equivalent of clicking the box too many times. But uh, oh, you, right. you know, <laughs> well, online, maybe. When, when, when we're getting stuck into him about his toast, I think there's not been enough like critical analysis of the Marte in that picture because to me it looked like a particularly sloppy Marte as well so really his his poor partner has suffered a terrible breakfast can you expand all on that what what makes well first of all tell people what Marte is and tell them what it makes a poor Marte well it's 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 a tea uh, sort of tea that um, is drunk in a little gourd with a, a metal straw which is very popular in South America so obviously it's very uh, popular with uh, Antoine Griezmann as well he, he has his yeah. own mate flask that he takes around with him everywhere um, and you know it's, it's, it's meant to sort of give you that little kick in the in the morning that's that's the sort of thing but I, I don't expect it looked ever so watery you know, it's, it's got kind of quite right. thick leaves, so it needs to be, right. in my opinion, a bit more sludgy. Maybe real Marte connoisseurs can correct me. Positive news for Manchester United is that Phil Jones is back in the mix, gentlemen. <laughs> He's been added to the Europa League squad, and uh, Solskjaer hopes that uh, Big Phil can recover his form. Obviously, he's had a lot of injury troubles, but he, he, he last played against Tranmere Rovers in January 2020, which... He's crazy. I mean, I don't, we haven't seen Phil yeah. Jones for Marcus, a while. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. When's he been promoted to Big Phil? <laughs> <laughs> well, when Solskjaer said, I wish him uh, back into the squad as quick as I can, he's a very solid citizen. <laughs> did now, he say that? He did say that. Obviously, Manchester City oh, are the citizens, cute. so I don't know whether he's... <laughs> yeah, but he's still cute. Marcus, can I, can I just jump in and throw something back to you for once? Oh, because, yeah. uh, you know, just try, try the old... Try the old hosting mic on, see what it feels like. So I, I, I wanted to, because I detect with you that I think, and this is actually not unfair at all. So no. this is not this is not something I'm criticising you for. I detect that you get you have quite a lot of sympathy for Phil Jones. And you think he gets quite a bad rap. Uh, why do you think that? Because I think that he does get a lot of over-the-top criticism, mostly based around the occasional poor decision and the fact that he pulls a funny face. Yeah, and um, he's one of Gareth's brave boys, isn't he? So I think uh, you, he's not really one of Gareth Bra- Gareth's. Brave boys. Oh, I can't you know, believe think... you've cast him off like this. Really? Well, this is, no, but he's this not been a regular in the England side, aren't this no, he's part of that. He's part of that, he's, he's part of that team unicorn pool inflatable gang, isn't he? Yeah, he he, <laughs> he he was there, but he's not played much for... Why do you think he's a part of Southgate Soldiers, Andy? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't invite him. He's someone else's friend. <laughs> I, don't, I think that he is not a solid citizen in Southgate squadron <laughs> quite frankly no is it but okay let's have a vote because there's three of us here <laughs> right and the majority wins do, do you think Phil Jones is a solid citizen or not yes or no Andy the only thing I'm prepared to yes vote on yes or no yes or no Andy it's a referendum only, the only thing I'm prepared <laughs> to vote on is that there are only two big Phils that's uh, big Phil Scolari and yeah, that's uh, fine. Okay. The, the uncle off the Fresh Prince and, <laughs> and that's it okay <laughs> that's uncle Phil 
Yeah. I'm saying yes, he is a solid citizen. I, I am as well. Andy abstained. Motion passed. Exactly. It doesn't matter what you think, Andy. We, 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 we gerrymandered you out the process, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what about Everton, though? As I say, they got uh, they got a win this week. Good win away to Leeds as well. DCL scored his first goal since early December. Good to see him back among the goals, Luke. Yeah, it is. Um, and Everton are a curious case. I, I, they were one of my tips to um, to finish in the top four this season just because I obviously massively rate the manager. And they've been for a tricky, sticky spell, which is in, in, in some ways has reflected Calvert-Lewin's kind of barren spell. But as ever, and you could actually weirdly apply this to, to Spurs as well, they're in no way out of the mix because it's such a, a condensed, um, condensed top half of the Premier League with the exception of... Um, of Man City who are probably going to run away with it and of course I'm not suggesting that Spurs are playing anywhere near well enough at the moment to force their way in but Everton have two games in hand at the time of recording over the teams above them um, with the exception of Man City and you know they win just one of those they're right back up there so you know it's a fascinating season for this reason mm-hmm. uh, but they absolutely need what they in my opinion at least what they had at the start of the season which is a firing Hammers and a goal scoring Dominic Calvert-Lewin we've seen how important that can be again with a team like Spurs, with Son and Kane, these kind of combination players um, where you've got someone who can create a chance out of nothing and a a player who's who's exceptional at finishing um, can really dig you out of a hole. So if they can get both those players firing again and they've got such a good manager in Ancelotti and they've got good strength elsewhere, like uh, Luca Dean's a great player um, and one or two others in there, they can can really do something. So this will be a good test of where they're at as well, actually. The the one thing I would say is that if they play like they did, if they play at Old Trafford like they did in the second half at Leeds, they'll get an absolute hiding. Uh, I don't think the results should cover that up. They were... Like really holding on in that. Who uh, Everton? Yeah, and, and no, they were poor against Newcastle. They didn't apply themselves at yeah. all. It was one of the worst performances for ages of, of any team against Newcastle. They were so bad. Yeah, they they were terrible. So I'm I'm just saying that I I don't think one result should make us think they're in a position to necessarily go and beat Manchester United. Yes, if they vastly improved their performance, but it would take that. I think. All right, Andy. Well, we'll see if that's reflected in your pick for four to score. Yeah, it is indeed. Now time for four to score, where Andy is going to put his money where his mouth is. <laughs> All right? For a change. Chipping off. Easy from the sidelines, isn't it? Right. Um, entry to Betway's four to score is free, of course. Each week, pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches for your chance to win the weekly £50,000 jackpot. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game and further T's and C's apply. Game one is Fulham v West Ham, Saturday tea time. There's only one person we're going to ask to step up for a Fulham game. It's that man down there. He always does game one. He never, ever shies away from the responsibility, even when he's going for a barren run. It's Marcus Speller. I wish you hadn't asked me to, for this one, because <laughs> all the sensible money would be West Ham. But I can't choose a, a goal scorer to score the first goal against uh, Old Fulham. So I've gone for Adam Ola-Lookman. Very nice. Not a bad shot at all. Mm. And we have seen in the past, actually, that these kind of slightly left field ones can actually work, by which I mean I once picked John Stones correctly. <laughs> um, game two is Man United v Everton, as we've already mentioned. It's a Saturday night treat, a classic Premier League fixture, in my opinion. Andy, you're up. Unfortunately, I can't say his name without doing it in the same way that the Tannoy at the Parc de France used to do it. So I'm going to go for Edinson Cavani. Very nice. I love having I love having Cavani in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. It kind of gives mm, it a, a good yeah. a good 
bit of authenticity because he's such a good player. Game three is Wolves v Leicester. And we've chosen Peter to pick the goal scorer for that. Here's what he had to say. The old Wolves versus the Foxes. I don't think there's going to be any goals in this match. So I'm going for a no, zero, nada, but kiss, draw. Oh, what an amazing surprise. The most pessimistic man I've ever met in my entire life. If, if, I, if, I, if I've met probably... How many people do you reckon you meet in your life? I'll, maybe I'll say I've met 5,000 people in my life. I cannot think of one more pessimistic than Pete. I cannot think of one. And I'm talking about like elderly relatives on their deathbed and stuff. Right? He is still more pessimistic than them. So he's gone for no goal scorer, of course. Liverpool Man City is game four Sunday afternoon. Very much looking forward to that one. Um, I've gone for Phil Foden for this one. Oh, it's my pick, and I've gone for Phil Foden. I'll invite a very brief comments from. What do you think about that, Marcus? You've earned the right to do it after John Stones. I can't die on that out forever, though, can I? I can't <laughs> well, die on that out forever. <laughs> yeah, but that's where you've stepped up again and you've had a go. I, I admire it. Thank you very much. We'll see how it, uh, how it shakes out. So our four selections for Betway's four to score are Adam Oda-Lookman, Edison Cavani, no goal scorer in Wolves v Leicester, which did come off once for Jim Campbell, lest we forget. There is a precedent there. And Phil Foden uh, for me in game number four. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game if you want to play along, and we, we very much hope you do. Go and give it a go. Uh, further season sees apply, but you must be over the age of 18 as well and do gamble responsibly. For more information on that, head to begambleaware.org. Okay, guys. That's that out of the way. It's now time for this. It's one of those games that's quite difficult to explain, but you'll get it as soon as you start hearing it. Oh, yes. It's that time of the show. It's that time of the week where we all take our heads, put it in the freezer, <laughs> and uh, stoke that fire in our belly with one of those um, candle lighter things. Oh, that yeah. You- that you, you know, stick that in your belly, light the fire, then get your head in the freezer because it's time for Luke's game. <laughs> Reigning champion, lineal champion, long-held five million defences of the title. Ooh, Marcus, <laughs> Marcus Speller up against previous champion, previous number one seed, yeah. Andy Brasso. It's kind of a bit like... Um, who would it be like? It's probably a bit like Djokovic versus Federer, mm. isn't it? I think we've probably said that before, but and Marcus, you are much more the Tim Hemman type character. That's how you've cast yourself. That's isn't right. It? Yeah. Yeah, but I've, I think I'm Andy Murray now because I've, I've I've got the title, didn't I? <laughs> That's true. That yeah. is true, actually. Yeah. And you're quite you're quite bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I like Andy Murray. Yeah. And my and my mum's the one that drives the ship, really. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy with Djokovic, but um, I just want to reiterate: I've been asked not to wear a mask for the recording of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Here we go. Listen. Needless to say, uh, but I will mention it because I haven't mentioned it thus far. Laptops away as much as possible, please. Yeah. No untoward behaviour. Otherwise, I'll, there'll be an investigation and inquiry, and none of us have got time for that at the moment. So I can't be bothered with the paperwork. So please, just, just, just you've, you've all signed up to the Luke's Game Charter. You know how it works. Um, you don't want to be struck off the uh, the list or have your title stripped of you. So no cheating. Here we go. First player, Andy's up first because he's a challenger. Marcus is used to that kind of treatment by now. He relishes it. He relishes that kind of uh, up against the wall. <laughs> Uh, kind of behaviour back to the wall here we go so to speak here we go Andy you're up first the first player has played for eight clubs in total he retired in 2018 remarkably retired in 2018 Uh, Christopher Samba Christopher Samba and I, I have to reiterate for the benefit of our listeners who will no doubt be playing along as well that a quick game is a good game here um I'm going to start with three I think that is below the sweet spot Marcus in my opinion what do you think uh, well, I'll go four. 
Andy, do I hear five no. from you? No five. Okay, no. so Marcus, first up, you get, you're the first on the pedestal. Yep. Get a chance to get a point on the board by naming four clubs that Christopher Sambas played for. I think three was the sweet spot. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> um, Cardiff City. I'm afraid that's wrong. Oh, no. That's a poor start. A very poor start. Christopher Samba has not played for Cardiff City. He has played... We can go through his career in chronological order, if you like. I'm gobsmacked at that. I thought he did. No, he didn't. Sedan, he's played for. He played for Herta. Then Blackburn Rovers. Yeah, I've got Blackburn. Anshi Makachkala. Oh. QPR. Anshi Makachkala again. Dynamo Moscow. Panathinaikos. And ended his career at Aston Villa. Hmm. Ah, I thought... Was he under Warnock at QPR? He probably... I don't know that, but I imagine he probably was. I just see him managed as a Warnock. I did have QPR, but I thought he was at Cardiff with, with Warnock. Oh, well, not to worry. Everyone dreams of having Warnock's arm around them, don't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. No, he's not He's not played for uh, Cardiff, I'm afraid. Oh, so, uh, although, I mean, I'm sure he has played against them, so maybe that's what you're thinking about. <laughs> that's what I was I'm, thinking. I'm, I'm being get... very generous there. I've no, been no marked down that. for that, have I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no point for that, I'm afraid. Uh, that, the admin involved in that would be ridiculous. Uh, OK, can you name eight, you know, eight clubs that Christopher Sutton <laughs> played against? Uh, no, here we go. So, next up, uh, Marcus, you get to go first this time, so okay. you get to set the agenda. Hmm. He's played for 10 clubs in total. Um, he retired in 1999. Mm. He is Peter Beardsley. Beardo. 1-0 to Andy, so you need to get back in, the, back in the hunt here. Whatever happens, it's been a great rain. I think fans of Luke's game listening will, will agree with me that it's been a great rain, Marcus, whatever happens, but you're up against it. Yeah, I, yeah like you and I both can see this slipping away from me. Beardo. 10 clubs, you say? It's yeah. a lot, isn't it? It is a hell of a lot. I'll go six. Andy, do we hear more than no, six? No, no, I'll, I'll let you have the six. Go on. All right. Okay. okay. One at a time, please, if you don't mind. Six clubs that Peter Beersley played for. Let's hope we can get off to a better start this time. <laughs> Liverpool. That's correct. Everton. That's also correct. Newcastle United. That is correct as well. Manchester City. Very good. Correct. Now, this is one... Manchester United. Very good. Correct. Oh, I wasn't sure if he'd played a game or not. He had. Okay. He did play a game. So that's five you've got. You need one more. Vancouver Whitecaps. That is also correct. Well played, sir. Yes. Well played. One all. Very, very good. That's six clubs that Peter Beersley played for. Carlisle United has already started. Yeah. You've got Vancouver Whitecaps, Manchester United, Newcastle United, Liverpool, Everton, Newcastle again. Um, Bolton he's Ooh. played a bit tight Bolton. Bolton your beloved Fulham as well Marcus of course yeah. bloody and, hell um, it's always right under your nose isn't it <laughs> yeah and, and Hartlepool United um, yeah. Hartlepool uh, was the other one I thought oh, was he it wasn't yeah he's got Hartlepool written all over him yeah, yeah to be fair um, okay so that's one all great okay Andy you're up first this time um, this is uh, five clubs in total uh, it's Miroslav Closer right oh he's very confident is Andy no not necessarily <laughs> I can hear scribbling away. I've got four. Yeah. Okay. How many in total? Five. Is, is, is that your bid, Andy? Four? I suppose it'll have to be. I, I said it, so I'll stick with it. Okay, four. Marcus, do I hear all five? Uh, you certainly don't. And I and I, I think that's very honourable of Andy to say he said four, so he'll stick with it. So I, I that's good. Ga- it's good. Uh, not gamesmanship. That's the other one. Good sportsmanship <laughs> there. Good sport. it could be gamesmanship. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, go on then, Andy. Name you four. 
Doesn't Luke have to tell me to... Oh, sorry, I apologise. Well, I'm this just going to repeat is... effectively what Marcus said. I'm on, so <laughs> yeah, but to... it's... Okay, Andy, officially name your four. It's very, <laughs> it's very much like where it's there's a, a corruption inquiry. And it's a co- good point. It's not called Marcus. Forgive me. It's sorry, like, sorry. It's like in uh, Line of Duty, I have a right to be uh, questioned by an officer of at least equal rank. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, exactly. And also, Andy, I mean, Marcus very much may well be the rock of this game, but I am Vince McMahon. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Four clubs, please, that Mirosa Close to play for one at a time. Kaiserslautern. That's correct. Werder Bremen. That's also correct. Lazio. That's correct as well. Bayern Munich. And that's four. Well played. That's 2-1. The only club that you didn't name there, which I doubt either of you knew, was FC Homburg, where he started his career. So that's 2-1 to Andy. Marcus, you need to get this one to stay in the game. This player's played for six clubs in total across a very, very good career. Um, he retired in 2015. He is Kevin Davis. Big Kev. You've got to be careful with this one. Yeah. You've got to be careful. You, got, you do have to be careful with this one, I agree. Um, I'll go four. That's the sweet spot for me. Straight in there. Yeah, that's pretty that's, good. That makes it very tricky for you, Andy. I yeah, think I think four. you have to go for that. You have to go for that. Okay, so Marcus, you need to know four clubs that Kevin Davis has played for, of the six in total, okay. to stay in this game and be still fighting for your title. Yeah. Southampton. That's correct. Two spells. Blackburn. That's also correct. Uh, Bolton. That is correct. Famously played there for 10 years. And this is, I've got the choice of two here, and this is going to drive me mad if I get this wrong. Everton. I'm afraid that's incorrect. Oh, don't tell me. Was it Preston North End? It was Preston North End. Bollocks! And he's done it. Um, He... um, yeah, he played two years at Preston North End towards the end of his career where he retired. Uh, that leaves me to say, Andy Brassel, you're our new champion. Andy Brassel wins. So that one come in. Ah, oh dear. So frustrating. I should have gone Preston for some reason. Congratulations. Well Congratulations. Played, it's been a good run. Yeah. Marcus, you've had an amazing run. I think it's the most impressive run since the game started. Yeah. So don't, um, please do not um, do yourself a disservice <laughs> or do yourself down. That was fantastic. But Andy is one out there in, in a way that perhaps none of us expected on Kevin Davis. Yeah. <laughs> You'd like to think it would be like a European player that he would have uh, I mean, he, he, ha- he has co-commentated on a lot of European football. Um, <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> If you could do me a favour, um, could you write me a note, Luke, that um, I'm unavailable for Fridays for the rest of the season, unfortunately? Yeah, yeah sure, no problem. I'll give, you, I'll give you a hall pass. The final player was going to be Mikel Silvestro, Andy. You'd have gone first. He'd play for seven clubs, very briefly. How many of those could you have done? Five, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Marcus? Please name me five, Andy. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United? Yeah. I'm still writing this down, like seriously, because yeah, you should do, yeah. It's a chance for a four-one, really. Yeah. Manchester, I mean, it's a bit of a dead, dead rubber. Manchester United, Wren. yeah. Werder Bremen, yeah. Inter, yeah. Ah, shit! I should have another um, French one. Ah, oh, it's gone out of my head. Doesn't matter anyway, does it? <laughs> no, there isn't another French one. So that's point to Marcus. Oh, you'd have had probably, Arsenal then. Yeah, you should have gone Arsenal. Oh, um, yeah. And he played for Portland Timbers. Who could forget eight games at Portland oh, Timbers for Mikel Silvestre? And he finished his career at Chenelin FC. Um, so anyway, that's 3-2 to Andy. It's still a win. Um, Marcus perhaps salvages a bit of pride in that dead rubber at the end. But 
The baton has been officially passed. There thank you very is. much to everyone who's played Luke's game. I've enjoyed it today. Very good. Lovely old job. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Football Ramble Preview Show sponsored by Betway. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you very much, Luke Moore. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andy Brassel. Thank you. Champion Andy Brassel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network.